The views and opinions expressed by any hosts or guests of WJMS Radio do not reflect the beliefs of its owners or associates. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to WJMS Radio or the show hosts whose words, advice, and or opinions appear from or on our website or on air. Stay tuned. You're listening to The Speaker Box on WJMS Radio. Radio reimagined. Speaker, 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 speaker box. It's important as a citizen to get involved in acts that can be done through voting, volunteering, donating, and simply keeping up with the news. But there are other ways to interact with political issues and stances that more than just present you the information in the issue, but challenge it. I'm going to introduce you to art. My name is Rachel Kate Bowdler, and welcome to the WJMS talk show, The Speaker Box. As you may have gathered, we'll be discussing art, but in a political sense. Politics takes many forms outside of the direct work of politicians. It is an influencing factor to various aspects of society, from everyday life to significant and impactful events. I want to introduce you to a new way, and my favorite way, of considering both art and politics. Art is broad. The term refers to everything that artists consider it to be. When we saw this idea of challenging what art is during the pop art movement of the 1950s, this was a style of art that challenged fine art. We saw artists use different mediums mediums, and we saw them reuse existing items. A popular pop artist is Andy Warhol, a name that you may be familiar with. His work is infamous for taking already existing images and manipulating them and then multiplying them. One of his most famous works is the Marilyn Diptych, a silkscreen painting of a series of images of Marilyn Monroe. Warhol utilizes repetition in most of his work. He used the same image of Miss Monroe over and over again, but adjusted minor aspects to it, such as the colors. You can also see the art being challenged during the earlier Dada movement of the 1900s, 1916 to be exact. This movement acted a bit differently from pop art as it challenged the essence of what should be considered art. Dadaism begs the question, what is art and how should it be made? During Dadaism, we saw the ready-made, items that already existed and were merely adopted by the artist. One of the most notable pieces from this movement is Fountain by Marcel Duchamp. His piece is merely a standard journal, one that could be seen in thousands of bathrooms and not necessarily something that would warrant a second glance, much less be considered art. But Duchamp signed and dated this piece with the words R. Mutt 1917 and showcased that piece as art. This was merely an ordinary manufactured object that the artist had designated as a work of art. You may have also heard of the Brillo box also by Andy Warhol. This can be seen as a combination between his Marilyn Diptych and Duchamp's Fountain. Like the Marilyn Diptych, Warhol emphasizes repetition. There are several Brillo boxes that are often presented in a set. The Brillo box represents packaging. It looks like something that you, that you would find on the shelf of a supermarket. It looks like a ready-made, but it's not. The Brillo box actually mimics a ready-made as Warhol used silkscreen printing to package the logo, as you could call it. He wanted it to look like a ready-made, despite that it actually isn't. I bring up these specific examples to focus on the idea of challenging what art is. I want to consider questions that the artist of Dadaism and pop art provoked. When you think about art, I want you to ask what it is and why it's made. Let the legacy of these artists be a foundation for my conversation today because I want you to take those questions and almost reverse them in a sense. Andy Warhol and Marcel Duchamp directed the question of what is art toward art itself. 
The question goes from artist to art, with the answer lying in between as the process. I want you to take that question and ask it from art to its meaning. We're going to beg the question, what is politics from the point of view of art? Consider it like we're asking the same question, just backwards. There are more ways to be politically active, and art is one of them. Art has been used for centuries to depict a message, a meaning of great importance. From the Renaissance era to Dadaism to pop art, art has always been a communication device. One that makes you think about the message and makes you think about how it affects you, how it makes you feel. Whether you are the artist or the viewer, art can take on a beautiful form of political discourse that elegantly challenges a political issue. It's a beautiful semblance and one of my favorite genres of art. Art is ultimately political if it complicates. Political art is not made to clearly outline what the issue is and how to solve it. If you want to quickly know the issue, its details, history, and political stance, this is where you should not rely on art but rather on news sources. Look at articles and news channels to a direct line to the information. Art is not your direct line. Political art will challenge how you feel about the subject and it will not tell you the details. You'll almost have to guess at them. Julie Maratou is an American contemporary visual artist. She is known best for her large-scale, multi-layered paintings. A lot of her work depicts urban socio-political challenges and the effects of these issues. She has a current traveling exhibition that is self-titled and includes an assemblage of her own most recent works as well as some of her earlier works. This is a chance to see some of the works that I'm going to tell you about. Her work is visually complicated in every sense. She often begins by drawing on her canvas, but develops the work using various techniques of printing, digital collage, and gesture. Meritu describes her visual language in comparison to history. She says, history is made, one layer on top of another, erasing itself, consuming itself, inventing something else from the same thing. A layering technique of different mediums, ideas, and meanings is far from simple. Without context, you may not guess that her paintings express politically charged themes. You may view them as abstract, a mess of lines, colors, and shapes, and in a sense, they are, but it's the representation that matters. The question of what is politics and art, the question of the inspiration. If you answer that question simply, it is the lines, the colors, and the shapes. But like I've said, artistic political discourse is meant to be complicated, and Meritu makes sure of that. Let's take a look at her piece, Heneni. This piece is based on an image from the 2017 Northern California wildfires. She uses yellows, reds, and oranges with black lines that are thick and thin. And there is a hint of green, thin green shapes swallowed up by the painting, acting as a reminder of what the colors the painting could and should have been. This painting goes further, however, to allude to the ethnic cleansing campaign of the Rohingya burnings in Myanmar. Hineni translates to here I am in Hebrew. This was the response of Moses to Yahweh calling to him from the burning bush. On this one canvas, she proposes three different types of fires, one environmental, one intentional, and one prophetic and biblical. She's exploring the different symbolism and meanings of one single force. There are many of her works that I would love to tell you about. I will only detail one more, and that is her Hakka painting from 2019. This one is much darker than her wildfire painting. There is more use of black over top, with colored shapes and lines peeking out from beneath. The story begins with photographs from inside Texan and Californian detention facilities containing undocumented migrant children. These images have been blurred, abstracted, and built upon with layer upon layers of drawing, painting, screen printing, and airbrushing. She has created a space of distortion with voids to resemble sunken eyes and skulls. The strokes on this canvas 
artists move in a powerful form that suggests a performance. To be specific, the performance of Haka, a war dance. From both Haka and Hineni, Julie Meritu gives us a sense of current political issues and analogies to also represent symbolic and biblical meanings. In doing so, she challenges each meaning she depicts. If you look at her paintings, they are complicated and political in every sense. They are absolutely beautiful. I'm sure you're familiar with the name Pablo Picasso, an artist best known for Cubism. His piece, Guernica, is referred to as a powerful political statement as it's an anti-war painting. This piece has captured Picasso's reactions to the use of casual bombing practices on the town of Guernica by the Nazis. The piece itself is a mess of body parts, people who are obviously in physical or emotional pain. To the left, there is a woman who holds her dead child. She is screaming in agony. In the foreground lies people who have been toppled. Also in this piece is the head of a bull, a representation of brutish fascism. This piece shows the tragedies of war, the suffering and harm inflicted on the civilians who are the true victims of war. Political art will also reinterpret what is already known for alternative understandings. We saw this in Julie Meritu's paintings, but we all also see this in The Dinner Party by Judy Chicago. Chicago is a feminist artist, and this particular installation art piece of hers functions as a symbol of the history of women. Originally, this piece was meant to depict The Last Supper, a biblical story of Jesus Christ and his 12 disciples. She would have included 13 women to represent the biblical characters, however, she ended up including 39 women. Staying true to the 13 to incorporate the nod towards the Last Supper, she did 13 times 3 to get 39. The dinner party is a testament to the power of artistic collaboration and feminism. It speaks of people who have not previously been part of the narrative, but were most certainly there. The more you learn about this piece, the deeper you fall into a rabbit hole about the ways that Judy Chicago has represented women. There is not a straight line from point A to point B when understanding her message and symbolism. Like all political art, it is meant to be complicated. It is meant to challenge the way you think about something, and it's meant to challenge how you can represent a concept. To step away from viewable museum-type art, I have found that music is a powerful form of challenging politics. One of my favorite artists, Bryce Fine, has a song entitled Bang Bang that challenges police brutality in almost a casual story. The lyrics show police brutality from an everyday perspective, building a setting of a neighborhood in his first verse and continuing to set the narrative of daily life in the following verses. But between the verses, the chorus sings of violence, and harm. His lyrics pronouncing, shots fired at the protest line, sing for rights of the people. All the messages ain't clear this time, but they'll be back tomorrow. These lyrics express that we have seen police forces strike against protesters and that it has not deterred those protesters from stopping, but rather it's proving their point for why they need to be in the streets in the first place. His chorus says, we've seen this all before. For a song released in 2016, we have seen police force against peaceful protesters since then, even in 2020, four years later. Another notable artist that has used their music to spearhead political topics is Taylor Swift with her 2019 song, Miss Americana and the Heartbreak Prince. Swift cloaks the controversy and disappointment of the Trump administration in a metaphor of a high school homecoming game. The Democrat and Republican parties are represented as the two sports teams, and she uses this sad and desperate tone to elaborate that her team is losing, an acknowledgement of the 2016 election results. Her song goes further to 
to reference the inappropriate behavior of men who are in power, and asking if there are still any good ones left with her lyric, boys will be boys then, where are the wise men? Her song attacks the state of politics in the US as a whole. She is reprimanding the leaders and describing what it feels like to have something to lose and to be scared in a political election. And she does this all within the metaphor of a high school homecoming sports game. I want to come back to visual art to highlight the Gorilla Girls, an anonymous group of female feminist artists. In 1989, they created a poster challenging the commonality of women depicted in the nude. Their poster said, do women have to be naked to get into the Met Museum? And it includes a statistic that less than 5% of artists in the Met are women, but more than 85% of female depictions are in the nude. This piece made museums and people rethink how art is made pretty exclusively for the male gaze. Now, street art is commonly frowned upon. You drive down the street and you see some name tagged on the sidewalk or on the side of a building. Now, to some people, this may not seem like art and more of a nuisance, but graffiti and street art has gained respect in recent years, and honestly, it deserves it. One of the most well-known graffiti artists is Banksy. No one knows who this person actually is, as they're anonymous, but the work of Banksy is often politically charged. His work, The Flower Thrower, depicts a man who is bombing an establishment, but he's holding a bouquet of flowers as opposed to a bomb. It's reminiscent of campus and street riots in the 1960s following the Jerusalem gay pride parade incidents. And the name comes from a poem by Judith Hill written after the events of 9-11. The poem is called Wage Peace. Like Julie Maratou's work, Banksy challenges two occasions combined. They have the shared value of violence. And when I think of this piece, I also consider that these events, especially 9-11, led to an increase in discrimination and hate crimes toward Islam people, and that this piece is also in response to that. Another of Banksy's work that I find powerful is a graffiti piece located beside a canal in London. Remember that location, a canal. On the wall, the words, I don't believe in global warming, are spray-painted. And if you didn't know Banksy's work, you might think that it's an anti-climate change piece. But in fact, this piece was a response to the failure of the climate summit in Copenhagen to produce a climate change agreement in 2009. Now, coming back to that location in the canal, the water would actually cover up those words when the levels rose. This was completely intentional and a nod towards the rising sea levels that the earth is facing. Banksy is an artist whose actions create an inspiring ripple effect. If you heard of the auction where his painting Girl with Balloons shredded the same moment it was auctioned off, you'd know that it was an infamous moment in art. It was absolutely astonishing that an artist would do that, but you may or may not know that this moment inspired others to create similar versions of that shred effect in response to climate change. Many versions with images of icebergs or of the globe were depicted as shredding. This was an acknowledgement toward the effects of climate change on our Earth. It was a representation of destroying our Earth, of, well, shredding it. Banksy has many more art pieces that are politically charged and cause a stir just like the ones that I've told you about. And I highly, highly encourage that you look into his art because it is some of the coolest political art that there is. Another famous piece is the Hope poster from 2008, adopted by the Obama administration during his presidential campaign. However, before this poster said Hope, it actually said Progress and was made by Shepard Ferry. The word Progress represented a step towards better diversity for the political world. It meant so much more than the word, as it also represented the person, Obama. This poster also became a symbol of support for the campaign 
campaign as it rapidly grew. Once the campaign adopted the poster as an official symbol, they changed that word to hope, to have Obama be that representation of hope himself. This poster has become a powerful visual symbol for the former President Barack Obama. It's pieces like these that put politics and political figures into perspective for people. We live in a very visual world where art is all around us, and even if we don't realize it, there was an architect behind the design of the buildings that we live and we work in. And there was an artist behind the paintings we see on buildings, both intentional and unintentional. Behind everything around us was an artist. And so using art to reach people in a political sense is a great attention grabber. The Hope poster sparked interest in the Obama campaign, and the Banksy works sparked chatter around climate change. Art is all around us, and I'm so glad that artists have used it to describe political situations. Now, I have yet to touch on the power of pictures, but photography is one of the most influential tools in art. Unlike Judy Chicago and Julie Maritou's work where you had to dig to understand the meeting, photography lies it right there in front of you. There is no escaping the reality of what's happening around you because the artist has put it directly in front of you. Some of Maritou's work was inspired by photos and incorporated blown up images, but let's talk about just straight up plain images. I remember from a history class, and I want to say it was a middle school class, but I don't entirely remember. But I remember my teacher saying to my class that the Civil War was the first war where photography was readily available and accessible. This meant that this was the first time that the general public could see the effects of war. They could see the dirty conditions of soldiers, the death and the destruction. Photography made it possible for the public to see that, and up until this war, the people didn't really understand what war really meant and what it really did. This was a moment of realization of the power that photography holds, the power and that ability to capture a single moment in time and be able to hold on to it. During the Black Lives Matter protests that sparked during the summer of 2020, we saw a pouring of photography. Photographers rushed to the scenes of protest to capture those moments, the moments of people lifting their signs and lifting their fists, the moments of the police reacting harshly, action shots of teenagers kicking cans of tear gas back to the police. If you saw any of these images like I did, I hope you recognize the power in these images. I hope you notice the energy in their bodies, the tautness of muscles, the energy of kicking that can, of running, of jumping, of moving towards something, moving towards a better future. Photography from these BLM protests is some of the most powerful pictures that I've ever seen. If you haven't had the chance to really look at them, I encourage you to really, truly look at them. See the energy and the power in these images because it sure as hell is there, captured in this little image forever still. When it comes to viewing photography, it's important to understand that there was a story before the snapshot and that that story continues after. The photographs you are looking at are merely a second's worth of time. So consider what it was that led up to that second and what followed that second. Because it's those thoughts that make the image even more monumental. The specific image that I'm thinking about where someone is kicking a can of tear gas. I think about all the time the moment that led up to that. What had happened for the police to react? What had happened for the police to start tear gassing the crowd? What was it that went through that person's head to want to kick that back? What went through his mind? What thoughts did he have where he felt the need to do that? And how did it feel to do that? Like the moments after, did he feel empowered? Did he feel proud? Did he feel great? Like I just, and these are things that you will never truly know and you can only 
even begin to really guess at and think about. But it's that that forms the story around that image and again makes it even more monumental and powerful. Many of the artists and the art forms that I have described to you are relatively new, but artistically approaching pro political problems is not a new tactic. Behind these few art pieces and artists are hundreds of more notable artists that beautifully envelop controversial topics and two works of art. Each piece that I have described to you incorporates a deeper underlying meaning for political discourse. Whether they challenge specific topics like Bryce Vine and Julie Maritou do, or issues and politicals in a broader sense like Taylor Swift, political art, in my opinion, is often overlooked and misunderstood. It is a complicated art form and often benefits from a background knowledge and context of political topics, which is why I understand why it's overlooked and misunderstood. But look, that shouldn't deter you from considering art from a political perspective, and in fact, I challenge you to look at more political art and analyze it. You may find that the beauty that I have expressed that I see in this art, you may also enjoy. I hope you enjoyed my talk about politics in the artistic sense and that you will take this information with you past this episode. Thank you for listening. This is WJMS Radio, The Speaker Box. WJMS Radio. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Far too kind. See, we keeps it real. We always gonna keep it real. You can't knock what's real, you know what I'm saying? We telling the truth, man.